What's up, guys? Welcome back, or welcome to our YouTube series podcast called Behind the Mask. I'm Chris. And I'm Becca. Sweet. And today, we are welcoming back to the Behind the Mask family, Simone Charlie. I'm going to let Simone introduce herself to the people. You guys, Simone is the GOAT. I will probably gas her up 75 times in this episode because that's what I do. That's my job. She's paid for it, though. But nevertheless, um, yeah, no, I'm super excited for this conversation. We're talking about something really important. But before we do that, Simone, introduce yourself to the people. Hey, guys. I'm Simone Charlie. Um, I grew up in Hoover, Alabama, and I attended Vanderbilt, where I got to know Chris. Uh, we both played soccer there. Uh, I ran track there as well. And I currently live in Portland and play professional soccer for the Portland Thorns. Whoop. Anchor down and go doors, people. Always. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, not sorry to other other people in SEC. Just means more. So, <laughs> so here's what we're talking about today. Um, starting off on a light note, stepping right into a heavy topic. So we've been seeing a lot in the athlete world, um, and I know Simone in the NWSL world, and then me in you know the NCAA world. The um, response to all of the social injustice, injustice in the, in the world that we live in, um, and kind of this newly revamped version of the civil rights movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, we're seeing, you know, anti-Asian stuff going on. We're seeing all kinds of things. And something that we've kind of seen, and it started in the NFL, and it has trickled down everywhere else, is the players choosing to stand or kneel for the anthem. So what we're going to chat about today on a more broad spectrum, but also kind of putting this point in there is as Christian athletes, what can our response be to protest? How should we respond in terms of like in the face of injustice? There's a lot of athletes or not athletes. Yes. And Christians, you should be responding this way, or you're not a Christian. If you, if you do this kind of deal. So we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit and see what do we think our response should be? Where, where are the hangups in terms of that decision-making process? So Simone, we'll jump right in. And I want to hear your experience from the Challenge Cup. You guys were the first ones to come back out of the pandemic and made a statement early by having a bunch of you guys choose to kneel for the anthem. So I wanted to know what your experience was in Challenge Cup bubble um, and how you guys kind of navigated that. Yeah, so I would say going into the Challenge Cup, we definitely as a team had a lot of discussions about what we wanted to do because we knew we were the first league back. There'd be a lot of eyes on us and trying to figure out how can we make sure that we make a clear statement on where we stand with all the racial injustice that was going on. At the time, you guys know George Floyd had just been murdered, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, the list goes on and on. And so for us, it was just about how can we be clear and making sure that people know that like, this is not okay. And that we're not okay with that. And yeah, for us, the answer was simple. <laughs> it was, we're kneeling for this anthem because the flag doesn't represent what it's supposed to. And we wanna hold our country accountable for that. And so, yeah, it was, it was a pretty easy decision. And we had a lot of like talks about it as a team. Um, so right after George Floyd was murdered, we started having like weekly talks about race and um, we'd listen to different podcasts, articles, all of that, and then just come together as a team, like on I think it was Sundays, our recovery days, 
and just talk about it. And so I think it was a powerful time for us just kind of like educating ourselves and sharing experiences that we've had. And then when, by the time we got to the Challenge Cup, we didn't really, it wasn't really a discussion. It was just kind of like, okay, yeah, so we're all kneeling. Yeah, really interesting. I know um, other people, you know, from other teams have had interesting experiences with this too. And, and it's not that it was a uniform, everybody was kneeling yeah. for the anthem. It was not. So <laughs> that's why it's super interesting to kind of figure out, okay, how do we navigate this? Um, and what has been the decision? And I know as a coach, you know, this is something that's been really interesting too, to try and figure out how do we navigate it with my athletes? I'm not their teammate. It's different. I can't necessarily like say, I'm going to do this. And this is what it means to me. Like, it's not the same. So I'm mm -hmm. super interested to, to like hear what your experience was too. Um, but to your point, Simone and Bex, before I let you, you know, respond to this too, of this association between kneeling and this like pride parading around this patriotism with the flag. <laughs> um, but disregarding what the main issue is, which is that black and brown bodies lives don't matter in this country. They haven't from the beginning. Go read the constitution. Go read who wrote, who wrote the constitution. Like all these things, and we can go off on a tangent about it, but I think, yeah, like even for me in, this, in deciding to kneel for the anthem, even as a coach and then so, in the NCAA season, it's not, and it makes me any less patriotic, quote unquote, which we'll get into that later. What it is, is the country is claiming to be a nation under God, indivisible, pledge of allegiance, people, and yet we are divided. And our ideals that we're claiming that we have are not being upheld. So we want to hold the country accountable. So, but Bex, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, on everything that's kind of been going on in the world. What's your perspective? Yeah, I think one of the reasons I was so looking forward to this conversation is obviously as a white woman, you know, I don't, I don't have the same experiences. It's one of those things where I have really had to learn and really had to research and have really grace-filled, you know, conversations with people whose lived experiences were very different than mine. And I think the issue of, you know, kneeling or standing for the anthem, you know, from somebody who doesn't on, it's easy to not think too hard about an issue in the world when it doesn't touch you directly. And I think I saw that a lot, you know, in circles of people who, you know, of other, you know, white Americans, you know, you just, you don't know, you haven't lived it and experienced it. You haven't been hurt and cut in the same ways. So therefore, if it hasn't hit home for you, you're like, they're not kneeling for the, like, or they're kneeling for the anthem. Like what is going on? When in reality, like there's so much depth there and there's such a rich conversation and dialogue and empathetic dialogue that has to happen. Um, and I think a lot of the times things are missed in our society as a whole because people, you know, conversations like this, people aren't having them every day. You know, I think we've improved since in, you know, the season that we're in in the world right now, but we're so far from where we should be. And I think 
if there were more empathetic, open conversations and dialogues surrounding these issues of like, why are they kneeling for the anthem? You know, what there things would be so different. But I think again, when you haven't been, when you haven't felt the sting of injustice to that degree, it's so easy to be lulled to sleep by, okay, whatever. When in reality, we're so far from where we should be as a country and we're so far from where we should be as a church. And how do we go about filling in the gap and just educating ourselves, educating myself, you know? Yeah, I think um, something, we're gonna get into the, you know, Christian perspective, because we've seen it all over, all over sports. I think, you know, in the soccer world too, some people that we know are believers that chose to stand, believers in other sports, uh, professional sports that have chosen to stand and been very vocal about it. And what that, you know, what we think about that. But I think to your point, Bex, too, of uh, it's really easy to dismiss something when it doesn't affect you. It's really easy to act like it doesn't exist when it doesn't affect you. And I've had this conversation with friends, parents, and all these things saying, oh, well, you know, you don't have the experience or whatever. And it's like, listen, um, insert straight heterosexual white man here. You don't have the experience ever because you've never been black in America. So I think there too, um, having the ability and even the, the curiosity to want to ask, okay, why? Rather than straight to condemn, no, don't do this. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. And I mentioned the pride parading around this patriotism earlier, and I will dive into that more later. But before we do that, um, Simone, we're going to seg segue, and I'd love to uh, get your, your take on this. There's definitely some frustration when you're trying to explain to people what kneeling means and what it doesn't mean. So if you wouldn't mind for everybody listening, let's talk about what it actually is about and what it's not about. Like, let's just clarify that right now. Yeah, no, that's a, a really important point. Like, I feel like people, when they think of like kneeling, it's, oh, you're disrespecting the flag and disrespecting veterans and disrespecting America, your unpatriotic, all of that. When in actuality, I feel like it's it's literally the opposite. Well, first things first, it's nothing to do with the flag. We're protesting injustices for people of color, for minorities, for black people, for just, yeah, <laughs> we're just protesting, number one. And I feel like that's the main thing. I feel like by focusing on the flag, you're literally just like, that's not even the, the point. Like you just missed the entire point of it. Mm -hmm. And I think of like a quote by James Baldwin and he was like, I love America so much, which is why I criticize her perpetually. And <laughs> I love that because it's kind of like, you know, if you have a, a child and they're by a hot stove and you're not doing them a favor if you just let them touch the hot stove and burn themselves. You're like, what are you going to do? You're like, no, don't do that. Don't touch that. You're going to warn them. Right. And I feel like in that same regard, it's like, okay, America's falling short of all these promises and in order to better America and make sure that we are standing by the, our values and the truths that we hold to be self-evident. Um, we have to stand up and say something and we have to, 
um, hold America accountable. And so it's like, I feel like if anything, that's the more patriotic thing is standing up and making sure that America stands for the values that we're supposed to hold dear. And so for me, I just think of like, when it comes to protesting, especially when it comes to kneeling, we need to make sure we're focusing on what it's actually about, which is making sure that we hold America accountable to equality that is supposed to be promised for everyone. Yeah, no, that's a really good summation. And, and I would add, it's not trendy. This is not a thing that you get to do that you get to post on your Instagram and say, oh yeah, I did it. It's not what this is about. We can save that for, I don't, I don't know, go insert random trendy workout thing here. Like save it for that. Seriously. Yeah. Everybody's out here doing Peloton. You can take a picture of yourself on your Peloton bike then. <laughs> if you want to kneel Excellent. for the anthem and stand for something that is real, okay, cool, let's talk. And I think to, to your point, Simone, you know, it's not about the flag. It's not about being unpatriotic. If anything, as a country that wants to claim that we uh, are about individuals' rights, we're about, you know, freedom of speech and liberty, pursuit of happiness, all those kinds of things. Why then, when a group of people who historically are not given the same liberty, why then do we now have an issue when they say, hey, I want that, right? Um, so I think for me, when I think about kneeling for the anthem, um, it's, not, it's not like an unpatriotic thing, but it's also not an un, like a non-Christian thing. I think that's part of the argument too, of if you're a Christian, you shouldn't kneel for the anthem. And I have been racking my brain trying to figure out why, you know, what the justification is for it. And I've heard so many things. I hear the people, people say, oh, quote the scripture that says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, which doesn't make any sense because that scripture is about giving taxes and has nothing to do with injustice. But anyway, that's the first thing, taking scripture out of context. The second thing um, I always hear is, you know, when it's talking about don't make an idol, you know, have no idols or serve no gods above, above God, right? And it's like, okay, cool. But you pledge allegiance to a nation that claims to be under God, but doesn't uphold godly standards. You stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Or I mean, yeah, you stand for the Pledge of Allegiance and you stand for the anthem. Why? Because you're pledging allegiance to a country because that's the tradition that they're claiming that we should be doing, right? You're not standing for the anthem because you're trying to glorify God standing for the anthem because we're Americans and that's what everybody says you should do. So I think what a lot of times happens is that we're battling in this, what is my identity? What, who is God calling me to be in this moment with America as an idea and a system and that almost quote unquote coming under siege right now. And that's where if there's so much Christian complicity in racism in America, which there is a lot of it, there's going to be that constant tension of, okay, we need to tease this out and be like, where does the gospel start and end? And where does America as an idol start? Right now, they're a little bit intermixed and we need to like separate them. I think though, it's also like an interesting case of like what you were saying, it's almost like this Christian nationalism that somehow like Christianity has become synonymous with like patriotism and like, honoring the flag and like making like idolizing America in the United States and yeah I feel like 
I've seen that come up, like become more popular recently. And to be honest, it's all, I, it confuses me. I don't really know how those suddenly became intertwined or interlinked, but they are now. And even going back to what you were saying about the flag, I feel like it's just, I never really understood how a flag, a piece of cloth is more important than the people it's supposed to stand for and the people that it represents. Like the flag represents us, <laughs> it represents Americans. And so shouldn't we be making sure that Americans are treated the way that they are supposed to be? Like, isn't that the priority? instead of like prioritizing the treatment of a piece of cloth, you know? So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it brings up an interesting fundamental question of did the flag represent all of us in the first place? Which it didn't. Let's go back to history, it didn't. Listen. When the flag, if we were to talk about, bro, bro, hey, we, we want to get on a tangent before we move on, I'm gonna say this last point. When the flag was created, who were we battling against? Who was enslaved when that was happening? Who did not have freedom when we actually gained independence? And who still really wasn't even given freedom for the purpose of freedom, but was given freedom because a president wanted to win an election? Let's actually talk about history. Yo. But I'm gonna stop. Preaching. I'm gonna stop. I'm here for it. And we're gonna move on and talk about. <laughs> they don't hear you. They don't hear you. <laughs> Stop. And we're going to move on. Um, shameless plug. If you haven't seen the show Amend on Netflix, it breaks all of it down. 14th Amendment, Will Smith production, really, really good. But anyway, shameless plug to everybody since we're talking about education. But I'm going to stop <laughs> at that because we could keep going and shift gears back to. So once we kind of figure out what do we think the perception is, right? Why is there some added tension um, with Christians when Christians choose to kneel? How do we navigate that? Um, Bex, I'll start with you um, and your perception, and then Simone will go to you. So one of the points that you guys both touched on that I think is so important is this idea of, Chris, I think you said it first, of it's not Christian to choose to kneel. And I think in reality, it's, and then Simone, to your point of we're, we're idolizing a flag. If it was God up there and we're pledging, like we're standing, you know, it'd be unchristian to kneel maybe, but are we idolizing this flag? That's not representing right now the country isn't representing Christ. So I feel like you could make the argument of it's a very Christian thing to kneel because it's calling out the injustices and it's calling out how far away we are from where we should be as a nation under God. Um, and I think just the point of what are we worshiping here? What are we what are we setting our sights on? What are we always returning back to? Is it Christ? Is it a biblical stand standard of freedom and humanity? And, or is it 
an idea that's just been always how it's been and you just and then you stay respectful of it you know and I just think there's there really is something there that we have to dig into if we're going to be really honest with ourselves and um with where we are as a people and where we are in our own hearts of what are we really when when you say it's unchristian to do this you know what dig into that a little bit further and I think if we're really honest and if we're really seeking after the heart of God you know a lot of a lot of arguments break down regardless of how you choose to show that you know but arguments break down nonetheless I think for sure I think you bring up a really good point of like I mean, it's similar, again, to Simone, to your point of <clears throat> we're choosing to, to make something more important and we're creating an idol. It's pretty much what we do. That's our favorite thing to do. You know, that's our, that's our thing. If there was a sport in idol making, we'd all be professionals. That's literally what it is. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll respond in a second. Simone, what are your thoughts? On like it being unchristian to kneel? Yeah, on that, pers- on that perspective, what do you think? To be honest, I never really understood that. I didn't, kind of like I was saying earlier, the whole Christian nationalism, how that happened and that intersection confused me. And I don't understand how someone thinks that it's unchristian to kneel because the point of kneeling is highlighting injustices, inequalities in the US and I think wanting equality and fighting for justice for people who haven't been treated properly, that's a very Christian thing to do. And so, yeah, I never, I don't really understand that connection. But I also want to highlight, I think it's even more important that, because I also feel like people hop on, hop on bandwagons, like it suddenly becomes popular. I feel like when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling it was not popular and it was not cool and then suddenly 2020 everyone posts a black square and like oh you can kneel and it's like kind of fine now and people are kind of willing to have these conversations but I think the most important thing is like are you actually putting the work in though like are you actually educating yourself are you talking to family members are you taking steps towards making sure you're not enabling racism I think that's like the biggest thing to you but going back, I just went off on the side tangent, <laughs> but going back to what you're originally saying, yeah, I don't really understand that link between it being unchristian to kneel and kneeling. I don't understand it either. Just on that out there. <laughs> but <laughs> what we've got, I mean, I think um, some things I've heard, you know, is an utter deflection of the question um, where people will say, oh, you know, we all have committed sin and we all, and, but Jesus has come. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. I get that. I understand. I understand what the gospel is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're not, here's the thing. That is the most invalidating thing I've ever heard in my life. Not the gospel itself, the, the perspective or the, uh, rather the posture of answering that question I mean, it's, it's an utterly political answer. What it is, is that I'm choosing not to kneel 
for other reasons completely. A lot of a lot of Christians choosing not to kneel is an association with the Black Lives Matter organization itself, not necessarily the movement. And that's why I think, you know, Simone, you did a really good job of this earlier of let's clearly define what we're talking about here. All of these other peripheral issues are important, sure, but they're not the main issue. Let's actually like keep the main thing the main thing. You can talk about and argue about all these other things when black people quit getting killed in the street. Now let's then let's talk about other things. All right. So um, but something that popped into my head when, or when in prepping for this uh, was in Isaiah 117, where it says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and please the widow's cause. Like, and even in Micah, it says it too, right? It's like, you know, what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. I feel like if you're a, a lot of, at least the conversations I have that oppose whether or not you should kneel for the anthem, they're not coming out of a humility that says, I need to protect this country's virtue. That's such a weird word, but I'm just going to throw it out there at all costs. Like it's coming from a super arrogant place. Whereas I feel like when you are choosing to bring, bring to attention areas in which the system has oppressed a certain group of people. You're not saying it in a way to say, oh, well, I'm better. No, it's the system has oppressed this group of individuals choosing to come at it in a humble kind of way, not, you know, let's scream and see who's loudest and whoever's loudest wins the argument kind of deal. Um, but yeah, no, to both of your points, it's, it doesn't make sense to make the argument that it's unchristian, quote unquote, to protest um, like systemic racism, whether that's kneeling or not, to protest that. Because literally we're called to seek justice. We're called to speak up for those who were oppressed. We're called to speak up for those who have been wronged. That's literally what we're supposed to be doing. Um, so rather than let's, let me defend the oppressor because that definitely makes sense. But Bex, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just wanted to pop in because when you said that, it just it popped into my mind. Maybe it's untraditional. It's unlegalistic. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very different to sure it's not traditional to kneel during the national anthem, but it's not on like I feel like we have to redefine what it means to be a Christian. You know, it's maybe it's un untraditional in the way that it's just not typically done. But in reality, is are we seeking Christianity? Are we seeking religion? Are we seeking what's the normal behavior maybe and what's just considered, you know, we keep our hands folded and we, you know, and we do everything how it's always been done because that's the church. And that's when in reality, true biblical pursuit of justice and mercy and all of these things that it means to truly be a follower of Christ, Jesus was turning tables. You know, Jesus was, Jesus was shaking things up in the name of calling out injustices. So I think sometimes I, I feel like when somebody would say, well, it's unchristian, I'm saying, well, what's your definition of Christian? 
throw that truth bomb in there. Come on. Come on. Yeah, no, that's so good. Like what, what's our definition? And this is interesting. I was listening to another podcast, shameless plug, Holy Post podcast, Phil Vischer, Veggie Tales. If you're wondering why that name sounds familiar. Um, he did a podcast episode where they were talking about useful Christianity. We've moved from principle to practical. So a lot of things get watered down to, okay, well, how can you apply this in your life as if the Bible was written about you and for you? No, 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 no. So we take Jesus out of the center of the narrative, put ourselves in the narrative, and now let's make it practical. And we don't stick to the principle. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> I can't take credit for it. It was really good. It was on the podcast. Um, but yeah, no, I, it came to my mind, Bex, because it's so uh, linked to what you were saying. And the minute we begin to start questioning the status quo, who was the last person that did that? Jesus. Who was the keeper of the status quo? Pharisees. Who was oppressing people? Pharisees. This sounds familiar. So if we think about it, this isn't new. So if we think about it, like we should be questioning the status quo because the way things have always been doesn't mean things can't be better. But we also are living in a fallen world that opposes the law of God that opposes God's original design. So we can't Christians sit around here and act as if our world is perfect because it is fundamentally flawed. So we have a right. And then honestly, we have a duty to make sure that we point out the areas in which our world is flawed and make sure that we're coming again, walk humbly, approaching it humbly, you know, laying it down at the feet of, of God and being like, Hey, use me to make it better rather than battling against each other and saying, as if our world is somehow perfect. But yeah. I'm sorry, Chris. Can I pop in one more time? Let's hear it. I think to your point, as a white woman living in America, we need to wake up. And I think, again, like, I'm not coming into this conversation as somebody who had the opportunity to either stand or kneel during the national anthem. But the reality of it is, you know, going against the status quo and like, and choosing to say, you know, we love our comfort. So whenever something, even if it's blaring in our face, we're like, mm, don't want to go there. And it doesn't touch me necessarily. It doesn't necessarily touch my family, maybe. So I'm just, mm, mm, I'm just, never, I'm just not going to go there. And I think we need to wake up. And we need to, I'm always reminded of, like, I always come back to, like, the Garden of Gethsemane. And just, like, stay awake with me. And the disciples fell asleep. Like, what would it look like if the church, if the people of God stayed awake to see what he sees? It's real uncomfortable. We'll probably lose sleep over it. We'll pro it'll turn our whole world upside down. But, like, what are we called to do as believers? <laughs> Y'all preaching today. <laughs> Y'all preaching today. <laughs> wow, that's a word. I really hope some of y'all are watching this on YouTube because Simone's reactions are literally <laughs> making me start laughing. Um, but for those of y'all that aren't watching on YouTube, you should watch it on YouTube. But anyway, <laughs> let's uh segue a little bit and i think i mean we've talked about how can we navigate these conversations first of all 
exercise some grace in recognizing that there's probably a little bit of ignorance in there. Um, but then in truth of like, okay, what is this actually about? But Simone, I want to ask you as a Christian first, who is also an athlete, who is also a black woman, what does allyship look like to you in the sports world? Ooh, that's a great question. I would first say that I think the biggest quality is empathy is the biggest thing because I think a lot of times when I like tell my story or I tell like what happened or especially if it's like this happened and this person did this and I know it's race related like you know sometimes you're just like I know <laughs> I know what that was and then the person is so quick to be like you don't know that it's this this and this and you don't know this person and blah 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 and they're not racist and they're not that and I feel like the first thing and the biggest quality is just an empathy and just to start believing black people because to me I feel like that's such an important step because I think people are so quick to to defend people and defend others and it's like would you rather err on this side of defending a potentially racist person or err on the side of empathizing with me? Like, which one? And so for me, I just think the biggest thing is empathizing and listening to and believing Black people. And I feel like if you start with that, then the, then it's, anything can happen because I feel like you start believing it, then it's like, okay, well then how can I help or what can I do or how can I be there for you? And so for me, I would just say that empathy piece, that's the biggest step. Yeah, no, that is, that is so good. The empathy piece of not invalidating people's experiences when they tell you this is what happened. Like, you know, um, who are you to try and question whether or not that that is the truth? It is. It's it's what happened. Right. So I think, yeah, that's a massive one of like, can we get off the defensive right now? Can we put the shield down really quick and listen, actually have meaningful conversations? I think, too. Um, this is interesting because I when I went to a conference, this guy, he broke it down this way. And I love acronyms, not acronyms, alliteration. Becca knows that. So I'll throw three A's at you guys. The first one, <clears throat> well, so the first one is accountability or no acknowledgement, accountability, and then amends. We can't start. This is, this is something that when Biden got elected, everybody's immediately like, oh, call to unity. And I got like really frustrated by that because I was like, we're calling for unity and we have not reconciled and we're calling for reconciliation and we still have people who refuse to acknowledge that there has been a, a wrong or an offense that has happened. So it starts acknowledgement, right? And this is similar to, to Simone's point of like, this is the experience. This is, this is the truth of what happens. If you don't know that this is what's going on, it doesn't mean it's not. It just means you got to go and learn about it to recognize the reality of the situation. So I think starts with acknowledgement and in the sports world, there's so many examples of it. Um, 
this is not a specific race related thing, but like we were talking about this with, with another offhanded conversation, but like NCAA men and women, are you really going to sit here and tell me that there's not a, a disparity there? Like, really? <laughs> like, really? Bruh, that way, the food, bruh. the disrespect. I, bro, I know. It's ridiculous. But like, that's an example of something being so blatantly obvious, I think, to a group. And we're all, the three of us here are female athletes. So it's not like we, this is new. And then I feel like even with Black Americans, you see the, the, the Capitol building get like taken over. And I don't know how many Black people I spoke to where they were like, I don't know why anybody's shocked that this happened. I literally- Or the fact that everyone made it out okay and safe, safely. Right. No one right. was shot. <laughs> Nobody. Not unless you were a police officer, you weren't shot. So like the acknowledgement piece, I think sometimes we're, is missing. And it's, I think to some extent there's some ignorance, there's some learn, like choice to be ignorant. And then there's just, I don't know, um, but there's acknowledgement piece. Then there's an accountability measure. And accountability is not just, let me remind you what's going on. It's, let me tell you what's happening, the standard that you are claiming you wanna hold yourself to, and let me actually challenge you to be held to that standard. I think once we move from the, acknowledgement piece that's a piece where there's a lot of okay i recognize that racism in america exists but it hurts to be held to the standard of what america claimed it wanted to be in the first place so we're getting caught and then the third one is is amends and this isn't a reparations conversation for whoever's watching and is like oh no reparations that's not what i'm talking about what i'm talking about is really taking stock of where of the part that all of us have played in perpetuating the problem and taking steps to now remedy that and make sure we don't do that again, right? Or making sure that we are trying to better it. So I think, yeah, three things um, in the sports world and beyond, but I think that's something, you know, all of us kind of have some control over within our realm of influence where we can do at least those three things, I think. Bex, what do you think from your perspective in terms of allyship? So the biggest thing that comes to my mind, and it is an echoing of what you guys have said, is when someone tells you that they've been hurt, you don't get to decide if they have been hurt. You know, like, and I think we do that. And we all want people to recognize, you know, I go back to white Americans. We want people to rec, and I'm obviously this is not across the board. I'm not, but we want people to recognize our, our pain and, oh, that hurt me. That hurt my feelings that hurt, you know, I'm thinking about a physical injury. Like this hurts somebody help, you know, and it's never okay to say, nah, not true. Like it's never okay in ever in any other situation. So why would it be okay now? And I think of the classic example of like when someone says you've hurt you've hurt them and you say sorry, but that's not an apology. That's not you don't get to decide that their hurt is invalid. It's not a logical argument. So I just feel like to echo your guys' point of again, me as a white woman living in America who has not had the same lived experiences, who cannot 
hearing stories, it's unfathomable to me. But opening my eyes and praying that God blows up my white picket fence that has surrounded my life for so many years, when there is very real hurt out there. And even if I haven't lived it, experienced it, it doesn't mean that it's not happening. And it does in the name of self-preservation in the name of again going back to comfort and being like "Ooh, that's that's hard and I don't want to go there like destroy those things because it's destroying those things are what's destroying humanity to put it kind of plainly and not to be dramatic but like let's be real um yeah just to Simone's point like sit and listen and take it Take it for what it really is, not what you want it to be to protect your comfort, period, end of quote. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really good. Go ahead, Simone. I was going to say, I'd like to add to that. That was a really good point, Becca. And I feel like it's interesting because I feel like when people, especially when it comes to like touchy subjects like racism and stuff, I feel like... So I'm like, I almost prefer saying like someone committed a racist act because I feel like when you say, oh, you're a racist, then it just shut everything down. <laughs> no one's listening. Like defensive walls up, all of that. And I feel like a lot of times, like we, yeah, we limit to like who quote unquote can commit racism. It's like, oh, racism is committed by this group of racists over there. And if you could just avoid all the racists, then like life's fine, (laughs) you know, when in actuality, like we underplay or yeah, we don't like pay attention to how like how big of a role implicit bias plays Mm -hmm. and how like you can commit racist acts and not even realize it. Like you can cross the side of the, cross the side of the road because you genuinely in your heart of hearts felt scared but it's like but why were you scared oh because that person's black or I think of like so many like remarks that like offhanded remarks I'll get about my my hair and it's just like okay (laughs) like just little things like that Mm -hmm. and so that kind of goes back to my like original point when we were talking about like oh whether or not someone can like But yeah, so going back to what I was saying, I feel like a lot of times when like a black person talks about something racist that happened to them or someone committed a racist act towards them, um, a lot of times it's implicit bias. And a lot of times that person may not even even, like realized it. And so then when you go and you tell your friend about it and then they start defending that person and like, oh, but you don't know that and this intention and you're looking at their intentions and stuff. But like racism isn't limited to folks intentions and I feel like that's such a big thing because we think oh you have to be this evil person or have evil motivations to like perform a racist act and that is not true you can full-on be (laughs) completing many a racist acts and not even realize it and so I think in that regard it's almost like we try and let people off of the hook or defend people in actuality, it's like, no, we need to call people out on that so they're more aware of, like, those biases that they have because that is a huge issue and a huge part of the problem. 
Yeah, no, that's really good. And I think um, the, the last couple of points I'll make before we kind of wrap this up is um, when it comes to allyship in sport, and this fits to what you were just saying, Simone, is really starting to uh, like evaluate what is the implicit bias with, there's implicit bias in general. And then there's implicit bias within the sport context. When you're only calling black athletes fast and athletic, you're not calling them technical or intelligent. Yes. Right. So can we start to acknowledge some of these things, even within our respect, respective contexts, even within your sport? You know, we, we play, you, you and I, Simone, played a predominantly white woman sport, right? Well, we're both women, so of course, predominantly white sport. So of course, now there's implicit bias that fits in when, when Black women enter the scene. Bex, you play softball. That's, that's similar, right? Um, so can we recognize implicit bias within our own context? The second thing I would say is that accountability requires relationship. This is something when we were, were in the episode with Pastor Barry and, and Courtney, we talked about this. It requires relationship. So like to Beck's point in the beginning, it's easy to shrug off something that somebody is doing when you can't put a face or a name to the issue, right? I think about so many conversations I've had with people who say certain things don't exist. And then if I share an experience I had with that specific thing, they're like, oh shoot. And now it's like black square, this black lives matter, this blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't care. And so now me, a person you have a relationship with has told you that they experienced it. Mm-hmm. So can we step more intentionally into relationships with people so that we can understand their context too? Um, and then, yeah, you know, I think to Simone and Becca's point, not to belabor this, but just listen. We have too many people that like to talk. Shut up. Listen. Listen to what people have to say. I don't care how crass that sounds. Like, stop talking. Listen intentionally. Not to hear what you want to hear, not confirmation bias, but to actually listen to what that person is saying. And then let's start teasing it out and figuring out, okay, one, validate it, and two, how can we make it better so that this doesn't happen next time um, in the world of sports, but also in general. So with that, you know, we're coming up on our time. So I want to, you know, close this out. Bex, Simone, any key takeaways, last like one, two punches you want to throw at people from this conversation? There's a lot. There were, there's been a lot of kind of gut punch statements said in this conversation, but anything that you guys have that you want to leave everybody with? Sam, you can go first. You said I go first? Yep. Um, I feel like there were so many good points. I'm like trying to figure out where I should, what I should say, but I feel like what is important is to kind of finish with some action steps because it's one thing to quote unquote educate yourself and learn, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't do anything with that information and so I would say one thing we talked about is first like making sure that you're in communities literally exactly what you said Chris of like putting yourself um, in places where you can have relationships with people who don't look like you who don't have the same beliefs as you not the same upbringing all of that because how else are you going to hear other people's stories and get different perspectives if you aren't putting yourself in those situations um the next thing I would say is like we talked about believe black people believe minorities believe their stories and 
I feel like a lot of times you're, even if your gut reaction is to, oh, I don't want to, or it might not be nice. Like you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> it's not going to be what you want to hear. And I feel like you need to go with that expectation. Um, but also with just a heart of empathy and also humility and willing to listen. And so I feel like those are kind of two main things that should be some takeaways. Yeah, love it. Bex, let's hear it. I'm going to try not to make this a tangent. It's just, it's just, I'm passionate about it. Um, we've talked a lot about intentionality and accountability and empathy. And I think, again, going back to, going back to the question of how can you be an ally? How can I be an ally as a white woman in America? Um, I'm reminded of the point of intentionality, accountability, call other white people out, even in private. And I think we have a hard time with that because we live in a culture that's, Chris, you and I say this all the time, we're soft. Our generation's soft, our culture's soft, everything's offensive, and we don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings, and we don't want to feel uncomfortable, and all of these things. But in order to change, things need to get uncomfortable and things need to get real. Um, and these conversations can happen in the privacy of your own home, in the car, at the dinner table. Like, it really doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't need to happen in a public space. You don't need to be at a protest. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to be in a platform where you can either kneel or stand to the flag. You know, what are your conversations sound like? you know, be calling each other out, calling out loved ones, um, and just asking thoughtful questions. I think we have to move away from being afraid to be offensive for fear of cancel culture and replacing that with really empathetic confrontation to be better on all sides. Yeah, no, that's really good. And the last thing I'll say, and it echoes your point, the last point you just made, Bex, of uh, not being afraid to be offensive. Don't talk about the most offensive person ever. Jesus came out here, out the woodwork, calling all y'all all y'all sinners and that y'all need to humble yourselves and follow me. Bruh, talk about offensive, especially in America. Somebody wants to tell you that you're wrong about something, that's something. So like if Jesus were alive today, preaching the gospel, he'd probably be canceled. Let's be real. So can we model our behavior after him? Go read Romans and talk about being offended. That's another thing. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, in terms of action steps, you know, to the uh, allyship measure of let's not leave conversations at conversations, like make sure that our intentions lead to action. I know I've been seeing a lot of, oh, you know, but their intention was to do this. Yeah, but your action said this. So can we start to now make intentional steps to change our actions? If you think about it in the sports context, if I, I'm, I'm as a goalkeeper, do I have the intention of letting the ball go through my hands in the back of the net? No, obviously not. Do I have the intention to pass the ball to the forward so that they can score on me? No, obviously not. But there's a technical thing that needs to change there. So there's a process by which I need to mindfully train to change those things so that 
the habit changes and I don't pass the ball to the forward. I don't let the ball go through the back of my, my, I mean, through my hands to go to the back of the net. So to me, it's the same thing. Like, can we be mindful in the work that we're doing and engage in it and be willing to be uncomfortable? This is the last thing I'll say as athletes. What's our favorite phrase, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So my question is, why are we only willing to be uncomfortable in every other realm except for racism? Let's like think about that for a second. So with that question, I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to let everybody chew on that and we'll wrap it up. So we're out of time at the end of our conversation. And Simone, again, as always, coming on here, dropping wisdom left and right, adding to the conversation. I love it. So I want to thank you so much for coming on sharing with us. We'll have you on always. So, but yeah, thanks for coming on, Sam. Uh, I was just taking notes of <laughs> what you and Becca were saying. So thank you for gracing me with y'all's presence today. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, Simone at this point is a behind the mask veteran. This is her second episode. So of course, I'm sure we'll have you on a bunch more times. Yeah, you know. <laughs> awesome. So with that, you guys, we are unfortunately out of time. This is a conversation that is ongoing and we highly recommend that you guys go back and chew on it, listen to it a couple of times and like really start to evaluate where you are with it, where, where you, you and your friends are with it. How does your church talk about it? How does your team talk about it? Stuff like that. Um, and let's go from there. But Besides that, if you guys like this conversation or like our content in general and you're watching on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button at the bottom of the screen. Um, don't miss an episode. Tune in, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at Behind the Mask 3132. Follow Simone. She's doing awesome things. So make sure her information will be in the show notes below. Um, but yeah, until next time, we'll catch you guys later. See you guys. <laughs>